Welcome to Oncology Data Advisor. I am Lynn Brooke. Today, I am joined by Dr. Maura Abbott, Assistant Dean of Clinical Affairs at the Columbia University School of Nursing. She recently co-led a continuing medical education, CME, and nursing continuing professional development, NCPT, activity called New Insights into Preventing and Managing Chemotherapy-Induced Neutropenia. This activity will be available on our medical education website, i3health.com, for free CME and CPD credit and will be linked in the text box below. Dr. Abbott, would you like to first start out with a bit of an introduction about yourself and okay. your interests? Sure. I am uh, Maura Abbott. I am an assistant dean for clinical affairs and associate professor of nursing in the oncology subspecialty program director at the Columbia University School of Nursing. I am also a practicing oncology nurse practitioner, um, and I run the oncology urgent care at uh, Columbia University Irving Medical Center. Um, and my, my interests are really just making sure, you know, patients are able to get their treatments and, you know, have the best prognosis and the best outcomes and side effects are managed along the way of their, their treatment and their diseases. Right, and thank you so much for your time again today. Sure, glad to be here. First question I have for you is, why do you feel it's important that the healthcare professionals participate in this activity and address their knowledge gaps about chemotherapy-induced neutropenia? So chemotherapy-induced neutropenia and or, you know, and when then you couple it along with febrile neutropenia are, you know, one of the biggest reasons that patients have to undergo dose reductions or treatment delays. And we know that after a certain amount of times of treatment delays and or dose reductions, the, you know, the, the prognosis changes for the patients. And so I think it's really important that providers understand, you know, what the current landscape of, of uh, you know, chemotherapy-induced uh, neutropenia is and, you know, what is, what is out there for treatment, what the guidelines are for, for prevention when we can do so, because it is a preventable mortality cause of mortality. Um, and I, I think that's really important part. And there are also things that are coming down the pike. Um, and, um, you know, and there are new things all the time. And I think we, we assume that we, we know what we're doing all the time, but you know, there's new things and, you know, to keep on top of what's new, I think it's important to, you know, to take, to take part in this activity so we can prevent, um, you know, any sort of negative outcomes for our patients and improve the positive outcomes for our patients who are undergoing treatment and may be at risk for, you know, chemotherapy-induced neutropenia. And why is it necessary that healthcare professionals educate their patients about um, CIN and febrile neutropenia risk factors and prevention? Yeah, and I, th I think that's similar to kind of the first answer, right? So we as healthcare providers need to know who's at risk so we can effectively, you know, prevent that risk and or, you know, be as quick as reactively as we can, because unfortunately treatment for febrile neutropenia and chemotherapy-induced neutropenia are at this point are mostly reactive. And so I think it's really important that our patients also know what to look for in terms of um, signs and symptoms of, of both of these phenomena so that they can understand the seriousness potentially of these conditions, um, that they know what to do if they experience a fever and they're potentially neutropenic and how important it is to get help, um, you know, medical help in an, in an emergent and urgent fashion, um, that, you know, it could be life-threatening is really, really important and that we want to go ahead and try to prevent it from happening or treat it as quickly as possible. Again, so that patients have the best outcomes, we can potentially reduce hospitalizations or length of hospitalizations for patients who need it the earlier we're able to, to go ahead and treat it. And I think it's really important for patients to understand 
that they're never, you know, they're never bothering us or anything like that. Cause patients are always worried that they're, you know, calling it midnight on Christmas. It doesn't matter. We want patients to understand that we're there for them. And this is really important and to call any time of the day or night, they're not feeling well and they're at risk for, for neutropenia and that they may or may not have a fever. People also, you know, people think, oh, I must have a fever to be sick and they may not be neutropenic and have chills. So I think it's really important that patients are educated so that they know what to look for and feel really comfortable reaching out to us anytime, day or night with any questions to, to have their best, you know, the best chance and best outcomes again, which is again, what we're, we're looking for, right? We're looking for patients to survive as long as possible and or be cured when possible and, and, and do well. Yeah, I totally, I really enjoyed the um, patient perspective of your guys's activity. I thought it's so important to include that. So thank you for that. Yeah, of course. And what would you like to see done in the next few years regarding the advancement of alternative strategies for preventing and managing CIN? Yeah, so as I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, right now our focus is on being reactive when it happens. Um, in, you know, it's only in a small amount of cases where we're prophylactically giving, you know, some sort of gram stimulating colony factor to hopefully prevent it in patients, you know, like you think of patients who have liquid tumors like leukemia patients or MBS patients or lymphoma patients, but we don't necessarily do that um, in patients who have solid tumors who are getting, you know, highly myelosuppressive chemotherapeutic agents for treatment. And so we end up being reactive after cycle one, which is where we see this happen most frequently. So what I would love to see is a move away from reactive and figure out a way for us to become proactive. And unfortunately, one of the biggest hindrances to that is the, the cost of these medications and insurance um, you know, coverage for patients. I mean, these can be thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars per injection. And, you know, unless you're really independently wealthy, you know, this is not something that most patients can afford. Um, and so it would be nice if we could figure out a way to make these medications, you know, more accessible in terms of affordability and figure out some evidence to show that, you know, perhaps a larger group of people should be getting them prophylactically. I mean, I think there's also coming down the pike, we're also looking at different ways of different medications, different, you know, classes of drugs. Um, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, the, um, the CDK4 and 6 inhibitors. It's uh, trilacyclib is the, the medication. And, you know, and, and that's one of the ones we can think about giving that can prevent uh, chemotherapy-induced neutropenia. And um, the planabulin is another drug, um, you know, that, that's, that's being studied and hopefully can and prevent it. And so perhaps we can focus on that as well. Again, you know, hopefully, and when those things, you know, those drugs are available, hopefully they can be truly accessible, not just available. Um, and so potentially we could prevent this from happening and maybe even prevent delays or reduct dose reductions or any of those kind of things. And that would be amazing for patients. Maybe we could prevent people from having to go in the hospital for febrile neutropenia. The other thing I think we really would be great is to get more evidence on who really needs to be in the hospital and who doesn't. I think we're still moving towards being comfortable with managing some people with febrile neutropenia in the outpatient world. Um, it's uncomfortable for us as providers because we're used to just admitting everybody who has febrile neutropenia um, where that may not be necessary as we now know. And so, you know, patients remain stable at home on oral antibiotic therapy, therapy after they've gotten, you know, some IV therapy, um, you know, they could be okay. It would be nice if we could figure out a little bit more about who potentially could fit into that category instead of needing a hospital admission. So those are kind of the things that I think would be great to get to. Yeah, definitely. And I know you were mentioning some of the 
possible medications, I was wondering if there's any specific clinical trials you're keeping an eye on currently that could make big changes in prevention. Right. And so those two medications that I actually mentioned, they're, they're still ongoing clinical trials related to both of those. And I think those are ones that we're really looking at and um, as the ones that are producing evidence that are, that are going to impact us in the, in the near future, as opposed to the long-term future. And I think, I, th I think those, those, those classes of drugs are, are the ones that we really need to focus on, you know, coming, coming up in the near future. Yeah. So last question I have for you is since recording, um, is there anything that you've learned or experienced that you'd like to add on to the information about CIN that you would like healthcare professionals to know? I think, I mean, it's interesting that you asked that because I think that, you know, when I was recording it, I, I was, you know, pretty sure I knew everything about it, right? I do it every single day in practice. And so, but I think Dr. Lyman and I each learned from each other when we were recording the initial, the initial um, presentation on this, because, you know, we, we each focus on different parts, the patient perspective, the, the scientific perspective, um, the clinical perspective, there's all these pieces. And I think I think what I have learned and I think what's really important is even if we think we know what we're up to date on, it's really important to participate um, in these type of activities because I think they, um, you know, they bring forward some of the stuff that we may not have actually, you know, it may be very nuanced, but it may be something that we haven't yet put into our routine, even if we are aware of it. And I think that's really, really important. And again, I think I've become more comfortable about who I can manage at home versus who I need to admit to the hospital. And I think that's a really big thing for our patients. They really don't want to be admitted to the hospital. And I think that's something that um, we could really learn from this activity as well. Well, thank you so much for your time today again. And this has been wonderful. I've enjoyed talking to you about this. And thank you again for the activity and all the information. Thanks and for I hope, Yeah. And I hope to um, hear more about your research in the future. Great. Thank you so much for everything.